I want you to get your Bible. We are going to go to the final book and the final chapter of that final book. Revelation chapter 22. I do have scriptures that I'm going to be putting on the screens. But I would love for you to follow along with me. As I prepared and prayed about our time together, I really sensed that as you read this and see it on the page, it's going to come alive to you. There will be different times throughout the message today, and we are in the Word a lot. There will be different scriptures that will just jump off the page and leap into your spirit. How many are ready for that kind of word? Oh, I am. I, I want that so much, and I want it for you. I want scriptures that you have read over and over and over, scriptures that you have heard maybe your entire life. I want them to become alive and active. I want them to become renewed and refreshed in your spirit today. And I believe that as you not just look at it on the screen, open that up, follow along. We're going to be in lots of chapters in this last final book. And I'm, I'm just... I'm just gullible enough to believe that God is going to make this alive to you. I know that He is. He said that He would. Revelation chapter 22. There are three scriptures here that I want to highlight and emphasize. We'll start with verse number 7. These are the words of our Lord and Savior. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse number 12. And behold, he goes on to say, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to each one according to his work. And finally, verse number 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I would like you to repeat these last six words with me or repeat them after me. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Again, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And this is our prayer today. We continue with our study of what we believe. We have taken the last four weeks. And I've tried with the help of the Holy Spirit to teach you what we believe here at La Palma Christian Center. Being an Assemblies of God church. Does anybody remember the first core value that we believe. Talked about it four weeks ago. Salvation, thank you. Salvation is what we believe here. We believe that we're born into sin and we are in fact sinners and we need saving from sin. We believe this. What secondly did we talk about as a core value that we believe here? Anyone? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a core belief at La Palma Christian Center. 
We believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to those who ask and receive. We believe that it is separate and distinct from your, uh, the, the salvation experience. We believe that when one is baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of this, the initial and physical evidence of this, is speaking in tongues. We believe that it was given to the disciples in the book of Acts, and we believe that it's given to the disciples who ask and pray for it today. What was the third thing that we discussed as a core value? Divine healing. Jim Regan took some time on Wednesday night, and I thank him. I was not feeling well at all, and he helped me with uh, a teaching on the third of our core values, divine healing. How many have been healed by the divine power of God? All over this room, many, many, many have been healed. And I would say that of those who have been healed, you've probably been healed more than once. I know I have. I believe in it. I've experienced it. It is part of my testimony. Not only do I know Jesus as Savior, I know Him as healer. Today, we will also look at the fourth of our core beliefs. We believe that Jesus is coming again. The title of the message today is Jesus, the Coming King. Do you believe that Jesus is, in fact, coming again? Of course. Of course. But I fear that we have forgotten that He said, I'm coming quickly. I fear that we don't recognize that He still means that. Because most do not live their lives. Most believers in Christ do not live their lives as though they believe that He's coming soon. We, in fact, live our lives as though He will come later. And some of us would actually like that, truth be told. And I guess there should be a part in us that says, Lord, I would like you to delay only for the sake of winning more souls, only for that sake. If it's for any other reason, it's wrong. If it's for any other reason that you want the Lord to delay His coming, that's wrong. If it's so you can get married and have children, that's a wrong reason. That's not a right reason for asking Him to delay. The only reason you should say, Lord, if you could just delay, is because you have somebody you're working with that still has not given their heart to the Lord. You have a family member that's a holdout. They're a black sheep, and you want another day. You want another week. You want another month. A neighbor. An enemy. That's the only reason we should be praying that God would delay. But we really, more than praying for His delay, church, we should be praying, even so, come quickly. And I'll ask you, when is the last time you prayed it? Do you pray it? We should be praying it. We should be praying that His return would be soon. That should be part of what we pray. And that should motivate us to rectify why we would pray for Him to delay. 
If you are praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly, that should light a fire underneath of you to get your job done. And then you don't have to be praying for His delay any longer. You're just praying for the soon return of Christ. Some people are afraid of this book, this final book, the book of Revelation. I should have had a little reverb put on that and put me in a tunnel right there. Revelation. Yikes. It's so mystifying. It's, it's so veiled in, 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 in hidden messages. And I think, it's, I think it's simple. I think we miss the point in why we don't understand Revelation. The book of Revelation. This might bring it a little clearer to you. Do you know that the book of Revelation in most Bibles is actually, to, it's called the book, uh, excuse me, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's actually the title of the book. We have shortened it and we just say the book of Revelation. And it's not Revelations, by the way. There was one revelation given to the disciple slash apostle John, the beloved, who was exiled to an island called Patmos for his faith. On this island, alone, praying, he had a vision. He had a dream. And God unfolded to him this revelation. God revealed to John. This revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it is throughout the book that Jesus is trying to tell us something. If we'll just see it and if we'll just hear it. Look, for instance, again, get your Bible. Travel with me. We are going to be all over the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We'll go all the way back to chapter 1. Go there with me. Chapter 1, follow along with these few verses. Jesus is revealing something. He's revealing himself to the apostle John, and he's revealing to us today who he is. Look at verse number 8, for instance. Jesus says, I am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Look at verse number 11. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Look at verse number 17. Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Verse number 18, he says, I am he who lives, he who was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He's trying to reveal something to us. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. In the messages to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3, let's, let's keep on. Jesus continues to identify himself. In verse number 1 of chapter 2, he identifies himself as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. 
Verse number 8 of chapter 2, he identifies himself as the one who is the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Verse number 12 of chapter 2, he identifies himself as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. And in verse number 18 of chapter 2, he identifies himself as the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fire brass. In chapter 3, verse 1, he identifies himself as he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Verse number 7 of chapter 3, he identifies himself as he who is holy, who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Finally, in verse number 14 of chapter 3, he identifies himself as the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The point is this. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is disclosing to us, church, what He believes we will need to know about Him as we approach the end of time. He is showing us through His prophetic eye all the events leading up to the noises, thunderings, and lightnings, earthquakes such as humankind has never seen, that will certainly be a sign of the end of the world as we know it. Revelation 16, 18. He's pointing us to the end. Signs of the times. Revealing to us what we need to know about Him and about these end times. There are some things that we need to know in order to get to this place that is described in Revelation 21.4. I want you to bring that up. Oh, that is so good. This place where God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. Oh, we long for this place. This place called heaven. There's some things we need to know. Jesus is the coming king. Some of the last words he spoke. How many of y'all believe that some of the last words he spoke are pretty important to us today? That we probably should take note of some of the last words that came from Jesus' lips. The very last chapter of the very final book, three different times, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. We better know this. It is what we believe. There are a few things that I want you to be aware of, however, in His coming. First of all, I think it's noteworthy that we understand He is coming with a blessing. You ought to write that down. Jesus is coming with a blessing. Oh, I'm ready to receive the blessing that He has for me. 
And the blessing that comes from the Lord, it will vary from person to person. It will vary from believer to, uh, from believer, to believer. Not everybody has the same blessing. Did you know that? We're not all going to be blessed in the same way. Part of the blessing is, and this is a bit of a duh statement, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to say it. Part of the blessing is we get to go to heaven. And somebody just might as well shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I've already made the arrangements. I've, preparations have already been prepared. There's a mansion being constructed. It might be done by now. I don't know. But he said, I'm going to prepare you a mansion. I don't know if it's done yet. But I, if it's not done, he's, he's working on it right now. But I know that when I get there, I'm going to have a mansion. I'm not going to be in pain anymore. There's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more death. There is a real place called heaven, and I'm going there. But it is not enough for me that I just step into the, through the pearly gates and wipe my brow and say, I made it. And it shouldn't be enough for you. Let it not be enough that we just desire to get to heaven. That's just part of the blessing. There's a blessing. He's coming and He has a blessing in His coming. Yes, part of that blessing is heaven. But there's more. There's more to this. He's coming with a blessing. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. There's a, there's a, there's a, a crumb trail here. There's clues. Do you know there's clues for us? He's leaving us clues. He tells us how we can be blessed. He tells us how we can be rewarded. He tells us how we'll be punished. And we, many times, just disregard the clues and go on with our life. Don't go past this today. See the crumb trail that he's leading. See the clues all along the way. He says, blessed he, he, he's going to bless those who pay attention to his prophecies and who proclaim them, Revelation 1.3. Bring that up. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. One version says, who pay close attention. Folks, he's given us his word. It is the map to the treasure house. It is the map to the city. It's the map to the land. This tells us how to get to this place. And when we arrive, we can have gathered wonderful jewels that we'll be blessed for. One is here. He said, I'm going to bless those who pay close attention to this book and the prophecies therein. There's part of a blessing. It's not enough that we just hear it. We have to pay close attention to it. We have to abide by it. We have to live according to it. And that's not even all there is to the blessing. Then he says, now take it another level and tell somebody about it. Who pay close attention, but also who proclaim this revelation. Who proclaim 
the word who proclaimed the prophecy. There's a blessing. Here's another blessing. He will bless those who go to their death while contending for the faith. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard the voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are those who, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, that they may rest from their labors and their works will follow them. Those who contend for the faith all the way to death. Maybe you're like me. I know of those who got out of the race. They started off strong. They were great runners. They were advancing in the race. Making a difference in other people's lives, in fact. And somewhere along the line, John, they just got out of the race. Living for the Lord and doing what's in the Word, paying close attention, declaring it to other people. Folks, that's work. It's not easy. It's not easy. If it's easy for you to be a Christian, then I challenge your commitment level. Because it should not be easy. There should be opposition. There should be persecution coming your way. He didn't say we're going, to be, we're going to be preserved from all of that. He warned us. I'm being persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. If people aren't making fun of you because of your belief, maybe something's wrong. Do they even know you're a believer? Contending, fighting for the faith, running in the race until death. When you do that, there's a blessing waiting on you. Here's another blessing. He said in Revelation 26, he's going to bless those who are accounted as overcomers when they stand before him. Oh, I like this. I could get happy right here. I I'm just telling you, I'm so thankful today that for every obstacle that comes my way, God has a way for me to overcome. For every temptation that comes your way, God has a way of escape. We are overcomers. And there's a blessing for those who learn how to live a life of an overcomer. Now, there's a difference from occasionally overcoming and that being a big deal, and it should be. Listen, anytime somebody overcomes the enemy or the temptations of the enemy or the trials and they make it through and they overcome, that is worth rejoicing over. That is worth celebrating. But if it's so sporadic and so occasional that it's this big event they finally overcame, there's something wrong there, too. Folks, we have all that we need every day of our life to overcome the enemy. And God is calling us to be overcomers and to live a life of an overcomer. So where it's not, it's not uh, strange at all. It's not, it's not eventful at all. We just have learned day after day and week after week and month after month with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the guidance of the Word of God, we've learned how to overcome temptation. We've learned how to overcome the enemy of our souls. And we are overcomers today. And there's a blessing waiting for all the overcomers on that day. Hallelujah. Let me just encourage you a little bit further. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 says, to the overcomer, he will give the tree of life. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 17 says, 
to the overcomer, he will give hidden manna and a new name. To the overcomer, Revelation 2, 26, he will give power over the nations. Revelation 3, 5, to the overcomer, he will give a new set of white clothing signifying his purity. Revelation uh, 3, 12 says, to the overcomer, he will give enduring power. He will make the overcomer like a pillar in the temple. The overcomer will have a new name showing God's ownership. Revelation 3, 21, to the overcomer, he will give the privilege of sitting with Christ on his throne. Do I have any overcomers in the house here today? Hallelujah. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. There's no enemy of your soul that you cannot overcome. There's no temptation that faces you that God has not made a way of escape. You have the ability every day of your life to live a holy life, to live a righteous life, and to overcome. Hallelujah. And church, there's a blessing waiting for all the overcomers. Come on, all the overcomers. Mm. You ready for your blessing? Hallelujah. Mm. One more blessing. I found this in Revelation. Where did I find this? I was all over this book, I'm telling you. Revelation 22, verse number 14. He said he's going to bless he's going to bless those who are obedient to his commandments by restoring to them all the privileges lost in the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. Did you get that? Look at this, Revelation 22:14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter through the gates into the city. See, it's not enough that we pay close attention to the prophecies and to the book. Here it says that we have to actually do His commandments. We have to obey. And not just the Ten Commandments. How many have the Ten Commandments memorized? And you know where they are in Scripture. You're afraid I'm going to call on you, so you're not raising your hand. How many, if I said I won't call on you, would say you have the Ten Commandments memorized and you know where they are in Scripture? So if somebody came up to you and asked you, a non-believer, where are the Ten Commandments? What are the Ten Commandments? Could you tell them if you didn't have your Bible with you? <laughs> I'm going to let that just do what it's doing right now. I don't even need to say anything else. See, we have to know this. We have to pay close attention. We have to do it. He's coming, folks. And when he comes, he's coming with a blessing. But I must tell you there's more. He's also coming with judgment. He's coming with judgment, Revelation twenty-two twelve. 12. He says, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward or my judgment is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. Now, 
If you have your Bible open, here's, here's a critical scripture. Look at Revelation 20 and verse number 12. I want you going there. Revelation 20, 12. Look at this. <clears throat> he says, I, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books. Do you see that? The books were open, plural. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in, in those books. Uh-huh. This is interesting. There are three levels of judgment that we need to be aware of. First of all, there is the book of life, and this book will be open. And everyone is going to be judged as to whether their name is even in this book. So that's the first judgment. There's going to be a roll call. And your name is going to be announced. Will it be found in this book? Because only those names that are found in this book of life will be allowed entrance and access to this holy city, this place called heaven, this land of no more sorrow, no more sickness. If your name is not in this book, you will be denied entrance. You'll be sent away, sadly. But he gives so many opportunities and wants so much for your name to be here. But he will not force your name to be there. Only you can request your name to be written in this book. You say, well, how? I want, I want my name there. Of course. He said, if we call on the name of Jesus, who is his son, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And in that instant, a pen is taken in hand. Your name is written. I remember the day it happened for me. November the 14th, 1982. I had ran from, from God. Mine was never a decision of, is God real? I always knew God was real. Mine was in rebellion and defiance, a turning from Him. After all, he allowed me to get hurt. How could a benevolent and loving and caring God allow me to get hurt? You ever heard that? I'm sure Floyd and Debbie with EE, you've heard it many times. And it was my, it was, it was my excuse. <clears throat> How could he let me get hurt? My mother died. I rebelled. But he just kept on loving me. He wouldn't leave me alone, Judy. He just kept pursuing me and wooing me, pushing me and prodding me and pulling me and holding me. And finally, I just, I just said, I surrender. I surrender. I can't fight this any longer. I can't run any longer. 
I just surrendered. And in that moment, my name was scrolled in this book. Do you remember the day? If you don't remember the day and you say, well, I don't, I'm not even sure. I know I go to church a lot. I go to church all the time. I know that I help my neighbor. Every time they pull in and they've got a car full of groceries, I help them unpack it and, and put it into their cupboards. That's really great. I give to the Red Cross when the, when the Haiti earthquake happened and when the earthquake in Chile. And I always give. Thank you. It's commendable. But none of these will gain you entrance into heaven. None. There's only one way. It's by accepting the sacrifice of God's Son. When you do that, your name will be written in this book of life. It is the first judgment. A large book is opened. Roll call is given. Will your name be found in the book of life? Boom, the book closes. Second judgment. Another book opens. This is the book for the believers. Those whose names have been found in the book of life, guess what? There's a judgment coming. It is for everything that you have done since becoming a believer in Christ. Did you know that everything that you do is being recorded? It is being documented. Somebody's keeping track. Full-time job, I'd say. Can you imagine? And especially those things that are done for Christ. What are you doing for Christ? I, I found this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.13. Don't go there, just... I want you to stay in Revelation, but look at this on the screen. Bring that up, 3.13, please. Each one's works will become clear. For the day, the day of judgment, will declare it. Because, oh, listen to this. It's going to be revealed by fire and tested by fire. The fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. This gripped me. This brought me to my knees. I wondered, how many things have I done, even in the name of Christ and for the cause of Christ, that still have been about me? It cut me deep. I've told you before that I have to fight selfishness every day of my life. Just as you probably do. But I can get caught up in doing what I do. This is my whole life. And I have to be careful that it's not about me, Pastor Mosey. And for my gratification. And for my ego. Because everything that's done, there's going to be a fire put to it. And it's going to be tested that way. And only those things that are done 
for Christ. Only those things that promote His glory, not our glory, that's all that's going to last. Everything else will be consumed in that fire as hay and stubble. This is the book for the believers. Did I make that clear? This isn't about the unbeliever. This is a new book, and your name was already read. Folks, it's not enough for me that I get into heaven. And I'm thankful. I want to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. He's coming with a blessing. He's coming with judgment. And finally... He certainly is coming soon. Bring up that third point for me. Point number three. He certainly is coming soon. Oh, aren't you glad? Second to the last scripture. The last words ever, ever leaving his lips while on earth. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely, it's a given. There's no guesswork involved in this. It is certain, surely, I am coming quickly. Now I know for us that's a relative term. You see, our timetable is not God's timetable. Our calendar is not like God's calendar. A thousand years? That's just a good day's work with God. And I honestly, I don't even know what that means necessarily. Right? That could mean something different than what I understand thousand years is like a day to God, right? But when he says, I'm coming quickly, we better take note. We better take note of this. Because what he says, he means. And he doesn't say anything that doesn't have purpose and meaning. This promise of His sure and soon return should be understood by us here today in four ways. His soon return, first of all, is a promise to believers. All those who have called on the name of the Lord, it's a promise to you. Death soon shall pass. The enemy of your soul soon will be forever defeated and he'll no longer torment you, no longer tempt you, no longer hound you. He's coming soon. It's also, secondly, a warning to unbelievers. Judgment is sure. It is certain. Both for the believer and the unbeliever. 
The third level of judgment, by the way, I did not get to that. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a judgment for the believer. Uh, a judgment of the book of life to see if you're a believer or non-believer. Judgment for the believer, for your works. But the third level of judgment is for the unbeliever. There's another book. And the believer, unbeliever's works will also be judged. The unbeliever's warning is right here when he says, I'm coming quickly. Judgment is, is sure and eternity is long. Just as I believe that heaven is a real place, so do I believe hell is a real place. It's a place of eternal separation from the giver of life, the source of life. It's a place of real punishment. Those who reject Christ will be punished eternally. And that punishment includes pain from fire that will not be quenched. Promise to believers, a warning to unbelievers. Thirdly, it should be an alarm for the lukewarm believer. It's a wake-up call. It's like the alarm in the morning. This phrase, spoken three times in the final chapter of the final book, should be a wake-up alarm for the lukewarm believer. There's no time to waste. Jesus is coming soon. Get your house in order. Get your life right. Get on fire for God. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Do the work that He's called you to do. Fulfill the commission. There's no time to waste. And fourthly, this, this promise should be a prayer that the church continually prays. When Jesus said, Surely I am coming quickly, it should bring a rousing Amen. Which, by the way, simply means so be that. They said at the conclusion of Jesus' words here, He said, I'm coming quickly. They said, Amen. It should bring that kind of response from us. We should be praying, so be that. And even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. What we believe is simple. We believe in salvation from our sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that when we receive this gift, we also receive power to be something we couldn't be without it, to be the witness that God has called us to be. We believe in divine and supernatural healing for our bodies while we're here on earth and have experienced time and time again. Today, we solidify our fourth core belief. We believe in the soon coming of Jesus Christ. 
Are you ready? Are you ready? I said a moment ago that we don't understand God's calendar, His timetable. But know this, God has exactly, it, He has this exactly timed. He's not saying, mm, I wonder if I'll, I'll, I'll push the button today. He knows exactly when this event is going to occur. What if, what if, just what if with me here, what if it happened this week? What if it happened before summer was done, over this summer sometime? What would you do differently? Let's stay with that scenario right there. August, by, by September 1. Now, this is a, a what if, this is hypothetical. Don't you dare go out there and say, Pastor Steve is prophesying that Jesus is going to return before September 1. Because I'm not saying that. Is this mic on? I'm not saying that. I want your, I want your, your sanctified imagination turning right now. What would you do different? If you did have that ability to know, I would dare say all of us would be scrambling to make sure certain people knew. I, I, I'm, I can't imagine if we knew for sure we've got three, four months, and that's it. We would, we would go crazy busy. Well, the reality is that could be the reality. So we should be busy like that anyway. And caring for those lost. Glad you're here today. I know you raised your hand as a visitor. Glad you came by. I want you to bow your heads. Give me just two more minutes and we'll be done. I said something about a book of life a moment ago. And the only way to gain entrance into heaven is if your name is written in this book. Do you know if your name is written there? Because God is going to open this book on Judgment Day and all whose names are there will be allowed to go through the gate into the city and live in heaven for all eternity. And those whose names are not found there will be banished. You must know that your name is there. You can't just say, boy, I'm crossing my fingers and holding my breath and knocking on wood and blowing out birthday candles wishing. Sorry, none of that will work. You can know. The beauty is you can know. You can know these things I have written that you may know that you have eternal life. The Word of God tells us. If you're uncertain, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you want to make sure, sure today, I want you to lift your hand so I can pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure, but I want to make sure today. Thank you. Is there anyone else? 
Just lift your hand and put it back down. We're going to pray for you today. Thank you. You can know without a shadow of a doubt your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's as simple as praying a prayer of repentance, asking for forgiveness of sins. I love that he just said, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you've raised your hand or you would like to raise your hand, you want prayer, I want you to come at this time. I want you to meet me right here at this altar. We are going to pray with you today before you leave and your life is never going to be the same again. Come now. Call upon the name of the Lord. Come on, let's make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've lifted your hand and you'd like prayer, come meet me right here. In His name, Jesus is, Jesus is the name we adore. Just call on His name. Just call. Everyone standing. Call upon the name of the Lord. Have faith. Faith in His name. His name. Jesus is. Jesus is the name That's all. That's all. Just call, just call, call on the name, call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Let me, um, let me remind you that tonight we have a really, really wonderful, wonderful night plan. I think it's going to be packed. I really do. Linda Shipman and some others have come alongside of her and Ken and really, really helped to make this a special night of tribute and honor to our military personnel. Because of this special night, and we have to get everything in order and set up, we are going to postpone our 5.30 corporate prayer. Those who normally come at 5.30 for corporate prayer, I'm going to cancel that. There's just too much going on. So um, uh, you're welcome to still come and pray, believe me. Um, we just need to get things uh, ready in this room. So uh, it's going to be a really, really great night. So look for you here. Amen. Pastor Moses, would you dismiss us in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you for filling us with hope and joy. Father, knowing that you are coming once again. Father, that all sickness, all pain, all mourning will, will be gone. Father, and we will spend eternity with you. Father, we pray that we would live with this, Lord God, in our, in our hearts, God, that we would live with this perspective, knowing, Lord God, that our, our home is not here, but our home is in heaven. Father, we thank you. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen.